0: A couple died in a tragic accident and they reached the gates of heaven. St. Peter receives them and guides them through their new residence, a magnificent mansion. But then the man pulls St. Peter aside and asks, do I need to sign any papers for this? And St. Peter waved his hands, no, no, there's no need for that. This is heaven. It's all cleared. Then St. Peter shows them the golf course, and they can, he tells them you can play every day, anytime. And the man says, well, do we need to become members? And St. Peter responds, you don't get it. This is heaven. It's all free. Next, they went to the clubhouse, and they, Peter showed them the buffet lunch and all the amenities. So the man asked, how much is this going to cost? And St. Peter says, you don't get it. This is heaven. It's free. And the best part is you can eat as much as you want, and you never put on weight. And the man fell into this angry silence, a face that his wife knew very well, and so he, she came close to him and says, Harry, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? And the man said, you and your super healthy organic diet. We could have been here ten years ago. <laughs> you know, this joke plays in a, in a humorous way with the same difficulty that that the Sadducees presented to Jesus, that it imagines heaven as a sort of literal extension of this life, you know, simply as an as an increment of the pleasurable things that we have here. And the kernel of Jesus' response to, to the Sadducees is is this the fact that it's difficult to imagine uh, what heaven is like does not mean that God cannot do it. Yeah, it's very difficult for us to imagine how an eternal life could be, how could a new heaven and a new earth could be created or recreated, but that's not impossible for God. God can do anything, right? It's, in a way, it's our problem, problem of our imagination and relating to it, but not a problem for God. But the objection still stands in this aspect that even if God can create an amazing new world, a new heaven and a new earth, would I be interested in it if it's too far from my reality, right? Even if God could do that, why would I want to live there if, if it's something very different from what I used to? So that's, that's a good objection. So let's, let's think about it a bit. Is it possible that God would offer something that nobody quite wants? Well, that would be very strange, right? Uh, But what is it that we ultimately want? Do we know it? You know, the things that we desire change so much over time. They don't stay the same. Our desires and our needs, our our wants uh, are purified, they are settled, They, they change, they gain in perspective. We oscillate all the time between love and dread of the familiar. We, we love familiar environments, the things we're used to. And at, times, at the same time, we dread them. You know, we kind of get bored. We want something new. And we also go to the other extreme. We, we kind of love and dread the unfamiliar, the new. We want to see new things, but then we want to go back home to the old memories and the old times, right? Uh, it's... You know, we we go to a new place trying to, because we want to meet new people. And when we get there, we try to find out who, who do we know already, right? It's kind of funny how the human heart works in that. So, the objection of the Sadducees relies on this very shaky premise that we all know what life is about and we all know what we desire. And I think we don't have much of a clue of what we desire, in the end. Don't we fail all the time at this? We work hard to get somewhere, and when when we get there, we realize it's not quite what I expected. I don't exactly know what I really, really want. You may recall this old old movie, uh, The Shawshank Redemption, it's about, I bring it in because it's a great lesson about desire and uh, what kind of life we want. It's a movie about this innocent man, Andy Dufresne, a banker, who is uh, unjustly condemned, and he ends up in this prison, Shawshank. And, and what, one gets the clear impression that he doesn't belong to that world. Right? He has been trapped in this prison world, which is corrupt and dark, but he does not belong there. And from the moment he gets there, he starts thinking of his escape. I mean, that's something you learn as the movie moves on, but he's all the time preparing how he's going to get out. But then you discover something unsettling in the movie, when one of the old inmates, the librarian, is released. And he goes to this mid-halfway house and tries to get a new job. But he has been like five decades in that prison. And so it's really, really hard for him to adjust. His friends have died. It's hard for him to start this new job. He's lonely. And he ends up committing suicide. And in in Shawshank, they say, when that happens to someone that they are more used to life in prison than to life in the outside world, is when they have become institutionalized. You become institutionalized when the world of prison, as awful as it is, is more your world than the free world outside. Well, Andy Dufresne lived in Shawshank for many, many years, but he never saw that as his world. He was always looking forward to the time he would be free again. And I think it's not just a matter of how long you live in the prison. It's an inner attitude. It's just, I don't belong in this world. This is not who I am. I look forward, I hope for this other reality that I get when I get free. And that's a great allegory of what Jesus would say to us in this world. He says, don't become, he would say to us, don't become institutionalized. Don't live in this world as if it was the only thing. Don't become so adapted that you forget what you were created for. Yes, this is the world I'm used to. It's my world, it's my neighborhood, it's my country, it's my life. These are the people I know. But it's also true that we would not want this life to go on forever and ever as it is. It's kind of a daunting thought that I would just go on for 200, 300, 500 years in just the same way. Rather, there are elements in this life that anticipate a higher life. We get like glimpses of heaven, elements of moments of joy, of insight, of love that could be exponentially, that could expand and grow and continue forever. So in light of all this, I, let me invite you to maybe re-examine your implicit idea of where happiness lies. You know, we find ourselves anxiously running after things, thinking, I cannot lose this opportunity. And the hidden premise there is, I need this to be happy. Is it so, really? Or if I don't indulge in all this entertainment and toys and food, I cannot be happy. Has it worked so far? You know, a great part of our society has become institutionalized in this crazy rat race of work, 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 social media, shopping, traveling, while the the rates of depression, anxiety keep rising. And we think we're in the position to tell God what works and what doesn't work. Why do we make our messy world, our messy lives, the measure of what God can do? or the measure of what makes us happy or unhappy. So maybe we need to listen and, and, and learn from the gospel. Christ has the key to unlock even our own hearts, what, what we need and what we long for in the end. So let me suggest a couple practical steps. The first one is to reflect on this idea. You know, what are the glimpses of eternal life that God has shown you in your own life? Where are those moments, those insights, or those moments of, refle- of you know, discovery in which you realized this could go on forever? This kind of joy, this kind of you know, light and, and goodness could continue forever in heaven. You know, this mom- those things happen in this life, but they don't necessarily just belong here. They belong to the kingdom of God. Think of steps that you take, for example, in the spiritual journey or when you do th- good things for other people when you uh, allow your mind to expand and understanding things better or contemplate what is truly beautiful. You know, when, when we develop all these dimensions, we, we steer away from becoming institutionalized. So that's the first step. Reflect on what are those glimpses of eternal life that you already have in this life. And the second one is there to trust God and try, try new things. Don't just keep that cycle, that rat race that, that is becoming more and more institutionalized. You know? uh, try new things. Try spending less time on a screen, and more time in face-to-face interactions. Try to grow deeper in, in the path of prayer. Read something good. Read, connect with the great minds. Or try something like the alpha course, we, which we'll be doing next semester in January. Or try doing works of mercy. Try helping someone around you, even at home. Try to connect more deeply with people that are close to you. You know, a truly Catholic life following Jesus very closely is, is becoming more and more an alternative life. Something amazing, right? But alternative is no longer, I think, going to Portland and being some kind of hipster. Uh, but it's, it's being truly a true Catholic. It's a true alternative to this culture, so, so dark culture many times around us, right? Um, and a lot of young people are tapping into this and are discovering the excitement, the adventure of trying this alternative life. They're waking up from that lifestyle that the, the Sadducees present to them, telling them, you know, this is the only life you can live. That other lifestyle, the Catholic life, doesn't work. Well, it's not true. We could respond to them in the words of, G.K. GK Chesterton, who once said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. May we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the promise of eternal life. Enkindle my hope today. Thank you, Lord, for bringing the risen life into our world. For coming to us and bringing that life of heaven into our very world. And teaching us how to relate, how to pray, how to know the Father, how to forgive. Teach uh, teach me, Lord, how to to discover those higher things, the glimpses of the life you promised already in this life. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.